It is so nice out there. Temperature's beautiful. This morning, um, I wanted to just turn our attention to a passage of Scripture where uh, Jesus has an interaction with a, uh, a soldier. He's actually called a centurion in Matthew chapter 8. I'd love you to just turn your Bibles there, please. Notepads, phones, whatever you have your Bible on. Matthew chapter 8, you can read it on the screen if you haven't uh, got your Bible with you, but I always encourage you to bring it. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through to verse 10, and then verse 13 as well. When Jesus arrived, it just says in Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him and said, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and racked with pain. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. And then the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word with where, from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers and I only need to say go and they, and they go and come and they come. And, and if I say to my slaves, do this or do that, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. And then we go down to verse 13. It says, Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go on home. What you have believed has happened. And the young servant was healed the very same hour. That's a miracle, isn't it? Jesus didn't even place his hands on this servant. And yet this servant was healed just through the speaking of the word. What an incredible person an amazing heavenly father and god our jesus christ was just the word was spoken i want to also point out the fact that jesus was prompted by the faith of the soldier he was prompted by the man who says i i just he says i know isn't it a wonderful way he says he says i know because i'm under the authority he says i know i know you can do this jesus i know you could just speak the word it'll happen I know, what great faith this man showed. I want to talk today today about this soldier. He was part of a Roman Empire. He was part of a Roman army. And I believe it's a really applicable story because tomorrow we're going to celebrate Anzac Day. Is that correct? Several of us will. <laughs> Hopefully all of us would just pause for a moment tomorrow and consider the incredible uh, commitment and sacrifice men and women made for the many, even the countries we represent here today, uh, obviously Australia, we celebrate Anzac Day on the 25th tomorrow, 25th of April. But for many of us, there's an opportunity to reflect upon the sacrifice and the commitment and the freedom that we have because of the men and women who went before us. Now, I do not want to glorify war. I'm not into it. And I think it's, a sh I think it's sad that we even have to fight at all. But the reality is, I am glad the men and women who went before me and have died on the battlefield so that I could have so much be blessed in my life in this generation. So whether you're an Australian today or whether you come from the wonderful land called New Zealand and you fought and we fought alongside New Zealanders and they fought valiantly just as much as Australians, whether you're from um, you know, Africa and, and, and all the unrest that's happened in that country, South Africa and what you've, um, your men and women have fought for, maybe it's the Philippines and in, in, in the Second World War when you, when you sought to keep the Japanese at bay and the Americans fought alongside the Filipinos to keep the Japanese out of their country or to flush them out of their country. 
you know, whatever country today, there's been, unfortunately, there's been wars. The world has never known a time of total peace, has it? Today, we still, unfortunately, have men and women fighting or, or seeking to keep the peace around the world. And so, not glorifying it, I still believe there is an often wonderful opportunity to remember and to reflect and to be thankful for what has gone before us as a nation of Australia and the nation that you may have been birthed in. And they tell me Anzac Day is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The more people are attending, more people are being involved in it, younger people involving themselves in it. And you know, I was contemplating the thought of that, and I believe that the truth is, is that while we might not glorify war, we truly respect the attributes and the attitudes of the men and women who fought in those wars. And I think we get attracted to that because the attributes that they have are things like courage, you know, things like sacrifice and commitment, and, and this wonderful Aussie terminology called mateship, which is just looking after your friends. All those attributes, they're, they're incredible attributes, aren't they? I think we all respect them, don't you? I think they're the attributes that our Heavenly Father actually reflects to us so often and that we need to reflect to one another. They're wonderful attributes that Australians, the men and women of all nations have, have reflected in their commitment to their nation to protect it. And I think we as men and women love to identify with those attributes. We love to identify. And if you were to visit the capitals of many of the nations of the Western world, you would find that they have statues all over this world to their heroes, to the men and women who have fought battles, to, to those who have stood up for their country and said, we're, we're going to protect our country. And if I were to be just to jolt your memory this morning, you, you may remember a person called William Wallace, affectionately known as Braveheart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> There's a whole movie about him, but you don't have to watch it to know about him. You can just read about him. Incredible man who stood up for Scotland against the English and led the Scottish against invasion of England, of the English people across the border. Uh, there's another wonderful young lady called Joan of Arc. And Joan of Arc, and you, by the way, you can go and see William Wallace in a little town called Stirling, just in Scotland there. If you went to Paris, you'll see several statues of this young lady, Joan of Arc, who who, who led the French um, army against, once again, the invading English. Uh, and, uh, and it said that she was totally inspired by God and stood up for what she believed God was telling her to do. And what an amazing story. And yet, uh, unfortunately, they burnt her at the stake. <laughs> Sometimes in those days, they killed their heroes. But uh, I, so th there's statues like this all over the world. Um, the encouragement for us is never to forget what they achieved in their sincerity. Um, Australia has a statue as well, did you know? And maybe some of your countries have statues. And we have a statue, and it's a statue of a soldier standing to attention. And usually they're on a, 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 some kind of a platform, a Plymouth, and they stand up there. And there's no name on this statue because it's a, a monument. And uh, a mo here it is, a monument to, to all those who, who went to war and never came back to this nation. And usually the inscription on these statues in Australia, they're all over Australia, is lest we forget. Lest we forget. And as I think about that very thought, what do we need to remember? I think the attributes of courage and, and, and love for and compassion and sacrifice and commitment are great attributes 
That's what I think we need to remember sometimes. They, that they died so that we might have life. Sounds like someone else we know, doesn't it? Um, I'd like to just examine this morning for a moment the soldier that we're talking about in Matthew 8. We call him the Roman centurion, but he was a soldier at heart. That was what he was trained to do. That was what he was born, well, not born to be, but he grew up, and that's what he would have been trained as from a young man to be a soldier. I just thought it would be good to examine. You know, they, they, there's no statue to this guy, no statue to the Roman centurion, no statue to this soldier. But the interesting thing is, in fact, we don't even know his name. For such a prominent figure, figure in the Bible, and yet we don't even know his name. Similar, I think, to many of the men and women who died on foreign fields. We don't know their names, but they're heroes. And this man is a hero in many ways. And though we don't have a statue this morning, we can learn from him. We can look at his life. And, and he's not renowned for his great feats of heroism on the battlefield. Um, the, the centurion, this man we talk about in Matthew 8, he wasn't renowned for, for some incredible, uh, you know, uh, he took the enemy single-handed or anything like that. But he's renowned for another set of um, uh, qualities in his life that I think we can incredibly learn from. And so let's just have a look at a moment about the, this unknown soldier in Scripture, this Roman officer for a moment. And let's, uh, in a sense, build his statue, even though he hasn't got one. Is that a cool? And what he, what he can inspire us in life about our walk and our relationship with God. The first thing that I see about this Roman officer, uh, is something quite remarkable and I'll share with you why. And, and it may seem so simple that it, we could almost miss it. And that is the reality that this Roman officer was incredibly kind and compassionate. Incredibly kind and compassionate. You, know, you may say, why would you emphasize that? There's a lot of people who are kind and compassionate. That's true. But in the culture of the day, this man was not common. He was not common because to show his servant and his slaves such compassion and kindness was not a common thing in those days. He was a Roman officer. He had probably Jewish slaves or Gentile slaves. And the slaves and servants, most of us would be aware that they were, they were commonplace. They were treated cruelly. They were not elevated in any sense of the form. If you were born into a f family of slaves, your life was pretty much, um, it, it wasn't the best of lives to live. There wasn't a great future for you. And, and uh, you were the property of someone else. You were a property of your master, if you were a servant or a slave. In actual fact, that, that master of those slaves could rent you out or, or, or sell you at any moment. You could wake up one day and be the, be the property of someone else that afternoon. It wasn't the best of most stable lifestyles. In actual fact, Unfortunately, but if your slave, if, you, if a master killed their slave, there was, no, there was no lawsuit, there was no legal battle, it was just a slave. There was no murder accusation leveled at the, at the master. No, a slave was not seen as even a normal person. Isn't that a terrible thing? But that was the culture of the day. I, I had the privilege of traveling to the to Rome in year 2000, and I walked around an incredible structure called the, um, uh, the Colosseum. It's a, it's a stadium. And there, as I read the stories of what happened in that place, not just Christians, but also just slaves and servants were tortured and murdered for entertainment and fun. And so 
that is the very culture that Jesus uh, was walking the streets of Jerusalem. And this is the culture this Roman officer was, was brought into. And so for him to be Roman and to have a slave meant that he could do whatever he wanted with that slave. And, but for him, he went against the culture of the very day. I think we live in a culture today where there's far less compassion and kindness shown than there should be. And I think if there's one thing that God wants to instill in our lives, it's an opportunity to have love, compassion, and kindness for the downtrodden, those needy, and those that really need something more than just a hello, goodbye. I, I, I see this man went against the, 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 the the culture of what was happening. He was kind to his servant. So kind that he went out of his way to find Jesus because he heard this Jesus could heal people. And this was his last, probably his last opportunity to see if his servant, because his servant was not doing well, very sick. And that's what he, he was so kind in his heart that he, he, he took himself out of his comfort zone to go and approach a Jewish man. And he was Rome, Roman man, to come and heal his servant. I think this, this Roman officer, you've got to appreciate, it, it, he was just way out there in that particular society and community and the way he showed kindness. Um, if there was ever a story of kindness, I have to, I have to lean back and lean into the story of a man called John Simon Simpson, sorry, John Simpson Kilpatrick. Some of you would recognize his name. Because he was known as, he was affectionately known as Simpson. And Simpson landed at Anzac Cove in 1945, in the 19, uh, sorry, 1915, I should say. In 1915, Anzac Cove on the 25th of April, which is tomorrow, 101 years ago. And as he landed there with his donkey, he was a medic. He was like an ambulance officer. We, a lot of us know the story. But incredible um, feats of courage and selflessness as Simpson and his donkey, as he's also affectionately known, would walk into areas where bullets were flying and rescue men that were wounded on that, in that place of Anzac Cove. I'd like to just quote something to you, or read, not quote it, but read it to you, from a book called Glorious Deeds of Australia in the Great War. A guy called E.C. Bully wrote this about Simpson and his donkey. And he said this. I'll just show you. It might be good just to show you a picture. There he is. Simpson's the one on the right. The donkey's the one underneath the other guy. So if you didn't understand that. <laughs> and the guy is obviously a man in need on the back of a donkey. This is what is written about him. When the sniper fire down the valley was at its worst, and orders were posted that the ambulance men were not to go out, Simpson ignored the orders and he and his donkey continued placidly with their work. At times they held the trenches of hundreds of men spellbound just to watch them as they rescued men. There the wounded lay motionless in an open patch of ground, an easy range of a dozen Turkish rifles. Patiently the little donkey waited under the cover while Simpson crawled through the thick scrub until he was within striking distance. And then a lightning dash, and he had the wounded man on his back and was making for cover again. In those fierce seconds, he always seemed to bear a charmed life. What kindness was displayed? What was in the heart of John Simpson Kilpatrick? Well, I don't know. Did he know the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know. 
But what a compassionate man to put his own life in danger. Sadly, Simpson was mortally wounded in a place called Shrapnel Gully, near the mouth of Monash Valley, on the 19th of May in 1915, at the age of 22. So there he is, he's 22 years of age, and yet within days of that picture taken, he was killed by a sniper bullet while bringing a soldier back to the beach. It says at his beach funeral, men stood as one with great respect to the man they called Simpson. I think such kindness is account, it would have been, um, I know that they were courageous and there was incredible love and support and mateship, but this man displayed probably something that was counter-cultural even to that day. Such kindness, such kindness was displayed. I read this verse in Romans chapter 2 and it, it always inspires me. It says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness today? That's talking about God. Do we show contempt for the riches of his kindness? His, his patience, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness isn't intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness. God has the attribute. The very, he was the one who invented kindness, compassion and love. And our Heavenly Father... And because of the kindness of God, it, can, it leads people to repentance. Just imagine if God had, uh, had, had, had the, uh, you know, if any, everybody one strike and you're out. We'd be no one sitting here today. <laughs> Isn't that true? Even if it was three strikes and you're out, I still wouldn't make it. Even if it was ten sometimes, I don't think I'd make it. But I'm glad that our Heavenly Father, His kindness leads us. To repentance. Would you see that your God is incredibly kind? Unfortunately, we live in a world sometimes, and I think not just the world, but there is an enemy of our soul called the devil who wants to continually, um, he wants to continually make sure that God is not seen in the right light. Uh, he continually wants to put him down, and so you know um, that it, put him down to the point where they would say he's an uncaring creator. He has no love, he has no care, and he, he allows bad things to happen to good people. As I said last week, I think good people need to happen to bad things. <laughs> but anyway, that's another message. People, you know, people, we can blame God for the pain that has been caused to them. The death of a loved one, the sickness that people endure. We raise sometimes not necessarily our fists, but our our attitudes towards God and say, why did this happen? And I want to be honest with you, I think God invites those questions because he wants to prove himself to you. But we do raise, we do, we do, some people do say, God has done this and I will not darken the door of a church because of it. But you know, when things go well, that can be the same God that we give thanks to because we see some miraculous you know, thing happening. Just the other day in India, when I wasn't there, I'd come home, but there was a massive overhead um, highway they were building, remember? And about 100 meters of it collapsed, killing um, quite a few people. And the people who were building it said that was an act of God. That's how they tried to get out of the issue, <laughs> the insurance. You know, they tried, that's what they said. They reported it. It was reported. If you heard it on the news, you would have heard them say, the people who built it or the big company, the multinational company, they were able to say, well, it was an act of God. I want to tell you how God had nothing to do with collapsing a highway that killed 20 so people. And yet the world will sometimes say, well, God did that. 
had nothing to do with it. His kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness continues to knock on the door of your heart and say, come on, open that door. And I'll come in and I'll, I'll, I'll have a meal with you and I want to sit down with you. I want to show you my incredible love for you. God, let's, let, God's never angry with us in a sense. I think he sometimes gets incredibly disappointed with the stuff we do. But, you know, as I've said before, his love for you can never diminish. He can, you can never have more of his love and you can never have less of it because he just loves his kindness towards us. It's displayed here in Simpson's life. It's displayed in this, uh, this centurion, this soldier, Roman soldier. Uh, people, settle it, in, settle it in your hearts. Our Heavenly Father has an incredible compassion and kindness. It just says in the fruit of the Spirit for us is love and joy and peace and kindness, patience and fruit, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's the things he wants to put into us to live life. Here's another thing I find about this centurion, about this Roman officer. Another attribute that I think is well worth following. He, he understood, he respected authority. In Matthew uh, chapter 8, 8, 9, he says, the officer said, I'll just recount it again for you. Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. And I know because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go when they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they will what? do it and so he understood authority he understood that he was under authority and when you understand the authority that's over you you'll often find that you'll have authority but when you can never submit yourself anywhere you'll be flat out trying to get anybody to submit to you that's a reality isn't it it's to come under authority and to know it see there's a um if there's a group of people in the world today who understand authority or understand orders or understand you know commands levels of command it's soldiers isn't it men and women who are in the armed forces or navy or the whatever they may be at air force even though they tell us the australian anzacs are often cheeky and the way they treated some of the officers but it was always in good fun i think but generally soldiers who whatever culture or nation they come from understand there's rank and file and order and there's authority and if you're a sergeant, you have men under you, but you also got men above you or women above you or women under you. So the Bible speaks of authority in a number of ways. It speaks it like respect, I mean, pay respect to. It talks about in Scripture saying, be subject to. It says, pray for. That's a good way to, um, you know, to have authority, to pray for. Don't resist. It says, don't despise. It says, honor. And when you think about it, the centurion... He was Roman, Jesus was a Jew, of course, um, and the reality was that Romans and Jews generally did not see eye to eye in Jesus' day. And yet, as I said before, a Roman officer um, humbles himself and comes to Jesus, a Jewish man, and asks him to come and help him. In those days, uh, you would have read that verse in the Bible that just says a Roman could be walking along the road, and they can make a Jewish person do whatever they want, as long as it was within the Roman law. One of the Roman laws was Jewish people, when asked, were obliged to carry the Roman, Roman officer's bag for at least a mile. You know that story of Jesus? And, you know, whatever they were doing, they had to stop their agenda, their, their, what they had wanted to do for the day. The Roman officer had to say, you do what I do. And the, and the Jewish person was obliged 
by the law of the day, I had to carry it. Of course, Jesus come along and said, why don't you really blow them away? And when, when, the, when, the, when the mile is up, don't throw that bag down and say, I've done my duty and walk off in a half. Say, hey, would you like me to carry it another? <laughs> That'd blow them away, Jesus said. So we see that Romans and Jews were not in the best of company. They didn't like to keep each other's company. Uh, in actual fact, many Jewish men and women were nailed to crosses um, over, the, over the decades and murdered and killed by the Romans. And yet we see this Roman officer breaks the culture of the day and goes to a Jewish man to ask for healing. What a wonderful example. He knew authority, he understood authority, and he came under authority. And in today's society, we see people will say, I don't, want any, any, I don't want to have any person tell me what to do. Uh, I don't want to live with. I, I don't want to live with set of, in, within a set of boundaries and rules of any authority. And we may never say that, but the way people live really reflects that. And they'll and they say, "Don't fence me in. You know, you'll stop me from enjoying life." And uh, research shows the exact opposite. It shows when people obey authority, live within the, the safeguards of laws and truth, that they actually have more fulfilling and rewarding lives than the person who doesn't. They have, uh, because they have absolutes, they're saying, I'm going, to, I'm, you know, I'm going to do what I should do. I'm not going to destroy my life. I, I, I often think of the reality, if you take fire, fire was always created to cook food and to keep humanity warm. And yet, if you take a fire and let it grow wild, it can destroy property, it can destroy people, it can destroy many things. And so the very thing that contained within the boundary of, of a simple campfire, or whatever it may be, or, or in an oven where a gas flame is burning to cook food, that same boundary creates life for people. Take that boundary away and it destroys people. And people say, I don't want the boundary, I want to just be free. And what you get is you don't get life happening, you get destruction happening. Because why? Because this group of people who, who want freedom have no understanding of authority or submission or just coming into the principles of truth. And that's a sad thing. See, the world says, do what you want, when you want, have no self-control, and that will keep you free. The Bible says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's a difference, isn't there? Live how I want, and I've got freedom. Really? Know the truth of God's Word, and it'll set you free. See, people continually think freedom has no rules, no boundaries. Where freedom, when you have boundaries and rules in life, you have freedom. You have exactly what you want, but you don't get it. The last attribute of this Roman officer, so, so it was not only incredible compassion and kindness, there was not only an understanding of principles of truth that he lived by, but the third and last thing that I see the attribute of this unknown soldier, this Roman centurion, was he had great faith, great faith. And, and this Roman officer was so different to the rest. And I asked the question, why was he so different? Why was he so kind? Why was he so willing to respect authority? Why, why was he willing to humble himself and come to Jesus? Why, why did he treat people not just as a, 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 another race or another rank or just some person, but he treated them with dignity? Well, I believe it came down to one thing, that this Roman man, the officer, had a faith in God. He had a faith. 
He had a faith. Matthew, I'll just recall these verses. The officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. So just say the word from where you are, my servant will be healed. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he turned to the crowd. Uh, in, this is verse 8 and verse 10. And he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. We don't even know his name. There's no statue to him. But there was only several people in the New Testament that Jesus ever said this about. And he's one of them. Great faith. And he's not even a Jewish person. He's a Roman of all things. And yet Jesus declares, this man has got incredible faith. Because he, he knows the lines of authority. He respects people. He's got great faith. You know, the Bible actually says in uh, Hebrews eleven six, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. When you think about it, the whole thing about the Christian faith, a Christian life is about faith. We have a heavenly father that doesn't walk on the face of the earth. We've got to by faith believe in him. We have Jesus Christ who did walk on the face of the earth, but not today. And yet we've got a faith in what he did. That's what, how we come to believe and become Christians through salvation is by believing what Jesus did and receiving him into our life and believing by faith that he's taken our sin and that we can turn and walk with him. So it, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's, it's an intricate part of it. And you may say, well, you know, if I don't see it, I won't believe it. There was a man called Thomas who said that. He was one of the disciples. And he's, Thomas said, if I don't see Jesus and the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet, I won't believe it. And you know what? Jesus done him a wonderful thing. He actually came and revealed himself to Thomas. And Thomas stood there and said, I believe. But Jesus says, you know, it's easy to believe when you see but I tell you, even more belief and all more faith is generated when you don't see and yet believe. And we have faith. Statistically, they tell us that 70% of Australians believe in God. It's just a very small percentage that actually follow through with their belief. Because it's easy to believe in God. What's another step up is to actually follow it through and actually live out your faith and and follow through with your beliefs. And I want to challenge you this morning, don't be just part of the 70%. I believe in God, but never, nothing is ever done. There's no follow through of your belief. Let me encourage you and be encouraged by this Roman officer, this soldier, this unknown soldier. See, I believe Aussies, when things are really going bad for them or the rock bottom of their life, they say, well, I believe in God. And sometimes we even call out to Him. Um, there's, clearly, there's clearly a belief system there in Australia, maybe even in your nation that you come from. But reality is, is that um, we need to make it a stand on what we believe and have faith. In our workplaces, in our life, with our friends, with our relatives, we don't need to be um, fanatical. We just need to be truthful and honest and love. And I think if we flow in, we, if we walk in, you know, kindness and compassion, we walk in, you know, faith, we walk in, you know, willing to, uh, uh, you know, love those people and 
put them first and, and reflect the very character of not just this soldier, but the very heart of God, that we can follow through with our belief and faith. I want to tell you this morning that He believes in you, and He wants the best for all of us. Matthew chapter 6.33 says, Seek first God's kingdom, and all these other things shall be added to you. What's all the other things? Just life, what we need for life, what we need you know, we need food, we need air to breathe, we need life to happen. And he says, I'll look after you. He says, but just put me first, seek me first. And this Sunday before Anzac Day, when we just celebrate and we remember and we're thankful, I think we just need to first of all acknowledge and be thankful for our Heavenly Father. Does our God want war? No. But unfortunately, humanity has declared war on each other. And it doesn't look like stopping anytime soon, does it? But we need, in our communities, in our society, we need to continue to reflect the very heart of our Heavenly Father. You know, we could talk this morning about the great men and women that served their country. We could talk about the Australians who fought on the Western Front in 1916. You know, part of that as they pushed back the Germans from Fromel in, in France there. We could talk about 800 light horsemen in 1917 that went and rescued the Jewish people from Bethsheba as they stormed on their horses down through into that city and pushed back the Turks. We could, we could talk about uh, the Australians who in 1942 stepped onto the Kokoda Trail with New Zealanders and with others, Papua New Guineans, very ill-trained, didn't know what they were doing, but kept the Japanese at bay. And Praise God that we're friends with the Japanese now. Praise God that we're friends with the Turks now. Praise God we're friends with Germans. Isn't that wonderful to see? I know there's other battles happening in the world, but we could talk about all these men, these men and all their stories, but the unnamed Roman officer, he wasn't renowned for any great battle. He was renowned because he had incredible compassion, because he understood that he needed to, he understood authority and to stand within the boundaries of life that were going to help him in life. And he understood that he, he understood that he had a belief in God. And there is our statue of this man this morning. Those three qualities. He's not a hero because he fought any battles. He's a hero in my eyes because he stood up against the culture of the day and reflected an incredible Heavenly Father. Can we stand up today as we close? What's the story behind you this morning? If they were to build a statue of you or me today, what would the words be on that statue for you and I? Maybe if they built a statue of the, um, of the, of the centurion, this Roman officer, they would have said, a man who loved his nation and loved the other nations of the world who understood how to have authority and be under authority, and who had great faith in a heavenly creator. I reckon that'd be great words to write on our statue. In actual fact, I just thought the statue that I'd love to have and the words that I'd love would be, he just pleased God. Three words, he pleased God. God was pleased with him. The word of God says that one day we'll go to heaven and there will be these words we will look for. Well done, good and faithful servant. And, you know, God is not looking for you to be some incredible example of perfection. He's just looking for you today 
to take another step towards Him. To continue your journey of wanting more of what He's got for you. Don't live in your familiar, comfortable little world. Because who will you ever influence in that world? Why don't you step out? Say, God, just more of you. More compassion. More love. I don't want to die just saying, well, I existed. I want to die saying, God, I affected someone else for your kingdom. So how about this morning we just pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for the example that you show us in the Bible of incredible men and women. I thank you through history, you show us some incredible stories of men and women who stood up so heroically. I thank you for Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate example of sacrifice and commitment as he went to the cross so that we may have life. We thank you for one another today, for your church, that we can join together and remember that. But help us, Lord, to be people who would not just remember it, but live it, Father, every day of our lives. And we give you all the honor and all the praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day today, folks. Encourage one another. That'd be great. Please stay for morning tea. That'd be brilliant. Maybe don't interrupt the children because they don't finish till 11 o'clock.